0: Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, president of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Welcome to Israel and You, and today we have a very special guest, my good friend Sammy Eppel, and I met Sammy Uh, this past summer at Oxford University in the United Kingdom Sammy is a research fellow at ISGAP, the Institute for the Study of Global Anti-Semitism and Policy and in my estimation ISGAP is the foremost uh, think tank that is pushing back against anti-Semitism within uh, the university setting and Sammy uh, is a consultant, a political analyst, a journalist. Uh, he was a columnist for the Venezuelan major newspaper, El Universal. He has published over 600 articles, many of which have been reprinted in other newspapers and websites. Uh, Sammy is also a guest commentator on radio and television in Venezuela and abroad. He was the founder of Fundicion Madre Maria Luisa Casa, which is a Catholic foundation that cares for underprivileged children in Caracas's worst slums by running a school, a medical facility, and a food preparation center. And he is a founder and he's Jewish and um, ran a Catholic organization for 20 years. He also, was also a member of the governing body of the Venezuelan Jewish community and the acting director of the Commission of Human Rights of Bene B'rith, Venezuela. He's a lecturer and presenter of the Hasbera Spanish program is also an active in interfaith relations and enlightening programs. Since 2004, Mr. Eppel has concentrated on the Venezuelan phenomenon of government-sponsored anti-Semitism and how it relates to Judea phobia. So Samuel, these are, these are very difficult days for the Jewish community worldwide. And I just want to say thank you for all you're doing uh, to stand with the Jewish people in Latin and Central America. So welcome, Sammy, to Israel and you. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. Ready (laughs) to go. Yeah, so I wanna open up uh, for our listeners. The the question is, uh, you know, the Jewish community in Latin, Central America, how how has it grown to such a, a large community over the, over the centuries. And when, when people think of uh, you know, Jewish communities, they probably think of Israel or uh, Western and Eastern Europe. Uh, but you are a Venezuelan Jew. And so I just want to ask you, just as we open up, how did your family uh, come to Venezuela?
1: My family in particular, my mother came from Romania, my father came from Lithuania. Uh, they met in Venezuela in 1925, uh, mm. so they were there before the war, uh, like many other uh, Jewish people in in the world, many in Latin America, that actually were able to to escape. and In the case of my family, uh, the ones that were left behind, uh, my that would be my great grand uncles by now. Uh, they they all disappeared. I mean, they all they, they stayed behind, and 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 the war just took care of them. Uh, ne- never never saw them again. I knew that they existed, but that was uh, that was it. Uh, so the Latin American Jewish communities started building up. Uh, I would say about a hundred years ago. Okay. Uh, with the with the influx of, uh, of, uh, immigrants, uh, and it became, it was some, uh, uh institutions uh, were able to progress. Some were able to, uh, to go ahead. Uh, many, uh, failed and some Jewish communities just disappeared. Uh, but, uh, with the second world war, we got a big influx of, uh, Refugees, survivors, and uh, we we were able to to grow and to and to prosper. Many Jewish communities became numerous and prosperous communities uh, because the Jews were coming to work. They were coming to try to make a living. Right. Uh, they were trying to put behind uh, all the horrors of the Second World War, uh, and that way. Big communities were built in Argentina, in Brazil, in uh, Mexico. Uh, I'm talking about large communities of over 50,000 people.
2: Wow. Uh,
1: other countries, like my country, Venezuela, uh, we had smaller communities, like 30,000, uh, which is now, because of the situation in the country, Uh, down to 4,000 only. Uh, Unfortunately for us and for many other uh, uh, communities, uh, when we were, we could say, a a large and prosperous community, we had uh, enough of a, a critical mass to build heavy institutions like for example, uh, synagogues, schools, cemeteries, old people homes, clubs, uh, etc. Uh, and we were successful. Right now, many of the communities are suffering uh, because of uh, not being able to maintain uh, those uh, those heavy facilities that we made uh, once. Mm-hmm. Uh, So we're having a a situation where many Jews are actually living Latin America. Uh, Some are, for example, in Venezuela, many of them are actually living to places where they can speak the language. For example, Spanish. So many have gone to Spain, many gone to uh, Panama, uh, many have gone to uh, Mexico, uh, and even to Spain. So that's uh, that, that's basically the short story of what's been going on with the Latin American communities.
0: I heard this once, Sammy, and, and you can verify this for me. I heard that the largest Jewish community outside of Israel or New York City is Mexico City. Is that is that a factual uh, number? Uh,
1: I would say that th- there's like a tie, because we, it, it, the, the largest one uh, for, for many years it used to be Buenos Aires, Argentina, okay. where close to 400,000 uh, Jews lived in, in Argentina. Uh, right now, it's around 250,000, and it's about uh, less than that is what, what's, in, what's in Mexico.
0: Yeah, I didn't understand this on, you know, the, 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 uh, the large communities in Central Latin America uh, until a few years ago, I was in Israel, and I was in a grocery store, and um, I was, you know, checking out the groceries, and the, the lady that was helping me, she, she had a, you know, a Spanish accent, and so I asked her, you know, where are you from? And she said, Argentina and I thought Argentina I mean and so I just started looking into you know the growth the in the diaspora I went down to the the diaspora museum in Tel Aviv and I started you know looking into the the migration out of uh, Eastern Europe Western Europe uh, after the war before the war uh, you know Jews that were fleeing uh, the pogroms, uh, like my grandparents, they lived in Ukraine, Be- uh, Belarus at the time. And uh, the Kishnav pogrom in like around 1903, 1905, uh, they fled uh, with their lives and just the clothes on their backs came through Canada in, into the United States. So uh, a lot of Jews, uh, they didn't come to the States they they went to Latin America. And tell me the story you told me earlier about your father who came from Lithuania, and uh, you know when he arrived in Venezuela, they had he had nothing, and uh, tell me that story. They gave yeah. him a banana to eat. And to explain that.
1: Yeah, well, it's uh, it, it's uh, it, it's uh, it, it's like a like an urban uh, myth mm-hmm. that we. It's been told many times, and uh, and I'm and I'm sure it's true, but it's been it's been taken as a joke, <clears throat> you know, that uh, that people would come from uh, from the boats in, into Venezuela, and they were giving like a, a, like a five bolivar, which was like about a dollar, <clears throat> okay, a, a five bolivar uh, coin and a banana. Hmm. And 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 many people never seen a banana in their lives, right? Uh, remember, these were poor people that were coming from uh, Central Europe. Uh, no, no central heating or, or, or no n- no central sewer of any kind. I mean, uh, you, usually they, they they would do the necessities in an outhouse. Uh, so uh, uh, they were basically. Uh, Kind of primitive, according to what was already going on in Venezuela, and, yeah. they, and and they never had a banana, and most of them they got a banana, they just they just ate it. I mean, the whole thing, the whole banana, the skin and the everything, with, with peel and everything. Wow! Not not knowing that. Sure. How to eat a banana?
0: Right. So you just returned from from Mexico a few days ago, and and. Uh, we connected in uh, ISGAP Summer Institute this summer, and I found it remarkable that you, know, you as a Jewish man, you're, you're very um, involved in the evangelical community, uh, you're you know, up on Jewish Christian dialogue, you, you really find the importance in that. And so tell us about your trip to Mexico, and you, you were in a group called Parliament and Faith, and so why is it so important for the Jewish world that uh, leaders like you are connected to the evangelical community, wherever it may be, the states or in, in Mexico? Uh, so tell us about Parliament and Faith.
1: Listen, this was basically a mandate uh, given to us by Nathan Sharansky. Uh, Natan Sharansky in 2004 in the World uh, a Jewish Forum in Jerusalem, uh, told us uh, the ones who gather over there that we had to go out and find allies uh, because we we didn't have enough power uh, to to overcome uh, the adversity that that were coming to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the people that he mentioned was. Just go and find allies among the evangelicals, and I took that as a as a task, and I've been doing that uh, since then, in my organization, and in my personal life. Uh, a few years back, I, I latched on to a, a, an organization called Parliament and Faith. Uh, it, it sounded really interesting. I mean, I, I I kind of go into different organizations because. First, if if they are friendly to Israel or to to the Jews, I'm talking about evangelical organizations, and if they uh, uh, actually trying to uh, to do something different uh, towards this uh, relation. In the in the case of Parliament and Faith, uh, this relation started over ten years ago. uh, They uh, they had a mission, like a missionary. a missionary, and that's what they call themselves. They call themselves missionaries. uh, To go into uh, government parliamentarians, into parliamentarian offices in government, Mm -hmm. and bring them the Word of God. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's basically what they do. And uh, It sounded like an interesting idea, but it kind of ran counterintuitive to the main evangelical thought of the time that said that uh, politics uh, is dirty, that politics is uh, immoral, and that no person of faith should actually go into it. Uh, that I understand. I mean, I mean because that that is what politics is. Mm-hmm. But this organization went the other way and decided maybe taking some from the American uh, system uh, that uh, if you wanted to make changes, if the changes were to be made, they had to be made in politics, not. People praying in a in a church, not doing uh, good social work, etc., uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So, so they went after that. It, it looked like a like a non starter from the beginning. Uh, I, I didn't think they were going to make it, really. But they have, they have, and hmm. since um, all these years, they they have opened offices in forty different countries. And wow. they keep g- having <coughs> conferences o- o- all over the world, for example, as a matter of fact, last year we had uh, a a the world conference of Parla- parliament and faith in the united nations in new york wow. and uh, and this past year we had parliament and faith in geneva uh, wow. at the at the uh, at the human rights uh, organization a un organization rights in geneva so uh, yeah, and now it's coming up as if something is going to happen in european a group is going to meet in madrid and and lisbon but this one in particular uh, that i uh, went to it's a uh, uh, it was composed of preachers and uh, pastors mainly from a uh, Five, six different countries of Latin America, and uh, Latin America and uh, South America. There there were some from Brazil. Uh, Brazil, no, but from uh, Argentina.
0: Sami, tell uh, tell me about tell me about the um, the growth of anti-Semitism. Latin America, South America, Central America. Are we seeing Are we seeing a uh, like the mutation of of anti-Semitism? Is it expanding? What's happening there
1: oh yeah that I mean an, an, anti-Semitism uh, be, before was basically you would say low-key uh, but it was promoted uh, I'm talking about antiquity they were promoted by the by the Catholic Church mm-hmm. uh, then it became uh, after Israel became a country in 1948 uh, then it became a, a, a target. The Jewish communities became target because uh, the establishing of the state of Israel. Uh, so it, it it came from the left. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, uh, ordinarily, it, it, it will come from the left, and even now, uh, that is being uh, orchestrated and is being uh, pushed by by the left. There is a there is an interesting uh, twist to that. Uh, and it is uh, the uh, something that I call uh, uh, institutional takeover. It's called institutional takeover. Okay. It is one when, when you have an institution and uh, which sounds fine and it's, it, it looks good uh, and it's worthy and all of a sudden an, a, the radical element comes in and actually takes over. That institution, we saw that in Chile, in the country of Chile, the country of Chile also became a a, a study subject for that eh, because in 1920 eh, they already had 100,000 eh, Christian Palestinians living there, eh, and that was already a, a, a big a big deal. Uh, that is tied up with the with the big uh, diaspora Christian Arab diaspora that happened at the beginning of last century, and the reason for that was that uh, once the uh, the Turks, I'm talking about the Turkish government or the Turkish the Turk people, they lost their they lost the war because they were, they were at that time at the beginning of the century. The, I'm talking about the first World War. Uh, they they were allies of the Germans, and and when they lost, uh, the Ottoman Empire was dismembered, uh, and like 20 different countries were uh, were all of a sudden appear in the map. When a few years back it was just the Ottoman Empire, part of the mm-hmm. Ottoman Empire. And uh, one of those areas was, for example, uh, Lebanon, Syria, uh, Jordan, uh, uh, Palestine, uh, and those were those were some of the some of the uh, provinces of that empire. And and then when the empire started slaughtering uh, the Christians, uh, the Armenians. See, the Armenian genocide was the first genocide of of the of the 20th century and that uh, that sent waves to the entire uh, all the other countries of the empire because they simply said well listen if in the seat of the empire they are killing uh, christians i mean what's going to happen to us we better leave so at that time between 1915, 1920, 1917, and 1914, in that area, if you will look at the uh, at the uh, at the maps of, uh, uh, of of diasporas, you will find out huge waves of uh, Syrians, uh, Lebanese, and Arab Palestinians at that time leaving. Uh, the area, for other places, one of the places they found was precisely uh, uh, Chile. Chile was a very welcoming place, uh, very different climate, of course. And 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 funnily enough, okay, sure. Once once you, a lot of people get to a place, they bring others. Other people came, and by 1948, by the time the state of Israel. Was uh, established, uh, was re-established. There were already two hundred thousand uh, Palestinian Christians in in Chile, mm. and that community continued to grow. Uh, and remember that most Palestinian cities uh, at that time, uh, Bethlehem and Jala, uh, stayed stayed. Under the control of the Palestinian Authority, uh, it was not under the, the Israeli Authority. Uh, those cities continue, continue, continue to 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 send people over, <clears throat> and even before the even before the Six Day War, when actually Israel took over that territory, there were already three hundred thousand. Uh, christian palestinians in uh, in chile so wow. uh, so this became a and, and and there were working people i mean regular uh, people wanted to, to study go to go to school uh, go ahead uh, set up businesses etc to the point where where right now even though they are five to six percent of the population they actually dominate between 15 to 20% of the economy. Wow. So it was, Sammy, it was very Martin. powerful. Yes. Yeah. It was very powerful. And, and that community eventually got the radical element,
0: which right.
1: was, was not expected, because that community was very uh, well uh, entrenched in the community. Uh, it was, they felt themselves as being uh, Chileans, and, and they had excellent relations with the Jews. It was, it, was no, it, was not, it was never a problem of that. And then when the radical element came in, it turned that community around, uh, and, and that was the, that's why we have uh, the situation that we have
0: today in Chile. That's, that's an amazing story. It's fascinating, you know, the history of, of how the Jewish community has grown, and then unbeknownst to me, I never knew that in, in Chile there's a huge population of Palestinian Christians and a radical element being sown into that environment is causing, you know, anti-Semitism to grow in that country. But I'm going to have you back on soon to Israel and you, Sammy. And I appreciate all you're doing uh, with the evangelicals and Latin America, Central America, South America, and um, you can follow us, um, Israelteam.org is our website. You can also go to uh, Facebook, Israel Team Advocates. And um, you can follow ISGAP at uh, ISGAP.org. That's I S G A P. And ISGAP stands for the Institute for the Study of Global Anti Semitism and Policy. You can follow me at The Times of Israel. Just uh, Google my name, Aaron uh, Fruh, F-R-U-H, and you can read my weekly uh, articles at the Times of Israel. So, Sammy, thank you so much for being on today and uh, telling us your story. And we're going to have you back soon on Israel and You. And God bless you and all you're doing, Sammy.
1: Sure, David. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I hope this helps. And... We'll be back whenever
0: you want. Okay. Thank you. We'll see you next time on Israel and You.